0: This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton.
1: And now, from the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School,
2: this is Mind Your Business with the Wharton Small Business Development Center. Knowledge, advice, and insight into starting, building, and managing a small business. Here is your host, Lauren Feldman.
0: Welcome to Mind Your Business on SiriusXM's business radio powered by the Warden School. I'm Lauren Feldman, and I'm the Senior Editor of Entrepreneurship at Forbes. Wait, that's not quite right. I used to be Senior Editor of Entrepreneurship at Forbes, uh, but I just started a new job as Chief Content Officer for a growing community of small businesses called the Oxford Center for Entrepreneurs. It's based in Atlanta, although I'm going to continue to work remotely from my home in New Jersey. And I'm going to continue to host this show uh, so long as they uh, allow me. Uh, my assignment for the Oxford Center is to build a platform for business owners pretty much from scratch. We, uh, we do have a morning newsletter called The Morning Report that's designed specifically for entrepreneurs. You can find a link to it if you go to my Twitter feed, at L Feldman. Uh, but the thinking behind the Oxford Center is much the same as the thinking behind this show. In fact, uh, the founder of the Oxford Center, Cliff Oxford, has been a guest on the show many times. We, uh, we don't think all businesses are the same. We don't think the same approach will work for every business. We don't tell people how to run their businesses. This show uh, and the Oxford Center uh, will continue to be about ideas and strategies and conversations, and we want to have those conversations with you. As always, if there's something you've been struggling with, call us at 1-844-WARTON. That's one 1-844- 844 And back with me today to discuss your challenges is one of our regular guests, Jay Goltz, founder and CEO of the Goltz Group. Jay is based in Chicago, where he owns the largest picture framing shop in the country and several other businesses, including a home furnishing store. He's a manufacturer, a retailer, a distributor. He sells online. And most important, as he'll be the first to tell you, he's made a lot of mistakes and he doesn't mind talking about them. Welcome back to the show, Jay.
2: Always good to be here, and I hate to correct you again, but it's not that I made a lot of mistakes. I've made every mistake. I think, <laughs> so, you love I don't to, want correct to correct me, but I have made every mistake.
0: All right, I'll allow you. You've made every mistake, uh, but I'm right. You don't mind talking about them, and uh, we appreciate that. Um, so, listen, Jay. If uh, if my new job doesn't work out, I'm I'm blaming you. I feel like I've been hanging around you too long, and I finally drank the Kool Aid, and I'm doing something a little more entrepreneurial. Um, are you going to be there for me if it doesn't work?
2: I'm always there. Congratulations. It is more entrepreneurial. I know Cliff well, as you know Cliff, and I think it's a very exciting thing to help get out there in the world. And, and you know, I, I tell people that are younger, when I was in college, the word entrepreneur wasn't even used. There wasn't. There certainly was no class. <laughs> not. It's hard to imagine. There was no classes for entrepreneurship. Now they even have degrees in it. So the world's come a long way in 40 years, but there's still a lot of holes out there that entrepreneurs are trying to figure things out. So it's great that you're going to a place that I believe is going to help connect the dots for people.
0: Well, I appreciate that. We'll find out soon. Uh, as for today, uh, we've got a special topic teed up for you today, Jay, as you know. Uh, we'll get to that in a moment. But but I wanted to ask you about a new book that just came out. It's called The Personality Brokers, The Strange History of Myers-Briggs and the Birth of Personality Testing. The book points out that um, personality tests are widely used in hiring and managing employees, but it really calls into question whether they're legit or not. Uh, nobody that I know is more thoughtful or deliberative about the, uh, the hiring process, and, uh, and I'm curious about your experience. You, you've used personality tests in the past, haven't you? Um,
2: I've used several different tests over the years, and I would say 20 years ago they were extremely helpful. They gave some great insights into stuff about the person. And, and then when the crash of 08 happened, and I, you know, I'm in the home furnishing industry, it was brutal. So we basically stopped hiring. So I stopped using them because I wasn't hiring much. And I haven't gone back to them because, and believe me, I think about it, but I've got a couple of issues. One of there's, I'll give you three things that I think people should think about. Number one is my last HR person went ahead and was checking out what's out there. So she got like four different tests from four different companies, and she took them herself. And she had been with me for a couple of years, so I knew her well. The test, one test was really accurate and, and said she'll did, you know, she do a good job and blah, blah, blah. And the other one made her sound somewhere close to an axe murderer. And <laughs> I, I was surprised. Which one was they, right, Jay? Well, no, the first one was right. The, the one that <laughs> it, what they said about her just wasn't true in any way, shape, or form. And it just concerned me that somebody out there is buying this test and using it and making judgments based upon it, it you know, what, I, I think some of them are very good. I am confident. I think some of them are very good. And from my experience, my guess is some of them are not good at all. So that's one issue. The second issue is I think we've gotten much better at hiring and our success rate in hiring is way, way up there now because we've got better at the whole process. We've got better at writing the ads at the interview process, at checking references and I don't know how much benefit it would be. And then there's a last piece. Well,
0: let me stop you for a second. When you were using them and you continued to use them, what benefit you did you think you were getting out of them?
2: It gave insights into the way people operate like one would say uh, I can still remember one of the tests I really liked it just went through scales and it said are they sensitive to criticism zero to ten do they take initiatives and I found them to be really accurate and I gave them to myself and I gave them to some of my employees and I I found them to be accurate so it gave you some insight what I've learned over the years I mean that was 20 years did that did
0: you use that insight to determine who you would hire or how you would manage the people you hired
2: no who to hire now if you said how many did you not hire because of the test Mm, not that many and over the years i i think we've gotten much better at hiring i i think we don't need it i I think it was very helpful to me 20 years ago personally i think i've gotten much better at hiring now and i don't know it's kind of like training wheels on the bike i i i think i've gotten much better at i know my staff has gotten i mean we're hiring people now you know i opened a new store near the martin chicago we hired three people they're all great all great I, that wouldn't have been the case 20 years ago. We would have had a dud in there. I mean, we've gotten much better at hiring. The, I was going to say the. what's the big change? This, we've gotten much better at the interview yeah. process of asking the right questions of, of like I said, putting a better ad out there and getting better applicants in the first place of here's one. Here's one word, patience. I hired a graphic designer for, for, for one of my businesses. I think we interviewed we might have interviewed 30 people. I mean,
0: and this was recently
2: no. What?
0: This was recently.
2: Yeah, yeah, just
0: because months ago. Every everybody who calls into this show, it seems, is complaining about how hard it is to find good people right now, and you know they're they're not patient, they're desperate, they they can't no, no, find we, people. You put
2: me on with some of those people. Yes, that's and, right. And, you, what, and, you, and you've seen, you know, I've been with you for years. You know, every time I do this with you, I always get the same answer. They'll say, "Oh yeah, I'm doing all that." So then I'll ask, "Did you write a really compelling ad to?" You were on the last, the last time I was on the radio. The guy said, yeah, I did what you said. Really? You wrote a really compelling ad. You interviewed a lot of people. You thoroughly checked references. Well, I use a recruiter. Well, how is that the same thing? Using a recruiter <laughs> is not at all like doing that process. So my, my argument is these people that are complaining about it are doing something wrong. They're not putting the time into writing the ad. They're not putting the time into committing that we're just going to have to interview a lot. I'm not saying 30, but maybe eight. They're not doing the homework. They're just not doing the work. And then the last piece of the puzzle is they don't check references, which is still blows my mind that with all the exposure you have in business these days that you would want to hire somebody. And I've done enough speeches. I can tell you the response. Oh, Jay, no one tells you the truth. They'll send you their friends. You know what? That's 90% right. 90% of the time it won't make a difference. And that one out of 10 times, you're going to find out something that you're going to think, thank God I didn't hire that person because that would have been a nightmare. So we check references thoroughly. How many times do we check references and not hire the person? Maybe only one out of ten, but that one out of ten is like a nightmare scenario that anytime you hire someone doesn't work out. It's very costly, very expensive, and a lot of pain. So my contention is if you do it all right, you can get your odds up there. Now, to the testing, there's a cost to the testing. I don't mean the price. You're putting a lot of people through a torture chamber thing, and I'm, I'm uncomfortable with that. You know, oh, Lauren, we like you. Will you take this test? You take the test.
0: Do candidates complain sure about it?
2: Sure. No. Here's the new thing: they can't just complain to you. Nothing go online and complain about you. I, I, you know, I, I, I. I've thought about going back to them, but I just, I'm uncomfortable with telling people who are looking for a job, here, sit down for half an hour and take this test, and then I would ask you the question of, so we interview you, we like you enough to put you through the test, we put you through the test, says some stuff we're not happy about, now what do I tell you? Oh, sorry, Lauren, we decided not to hire you. Are you not going a little crazy with, wait, what happened with the test? You're going to discuss it with them, and get. Into- I'm I'm just, I'm really uncomfortable with it.
0: You're nervous that... People will complain about that, and and not just to you, but on Glassdoor or social media.
2: The other part is, I really don't want to. People looking for jobs are usually a little stressed as it is. They're they're either not working or they're taking time off from work, and I don't want to make the hiring process that much more difficult. And I'm not. I would never. I would never criticize someone that gives a test because I think they can be very helpful, and. And, and believe me, I've thought about it. I'm, I'm, but I've just, I, I just, I'm uncomfortable with putting people through one more thing to get through to get a job. And I, I think our hiring success is good enough after the second interview. I'm pretty confident. And I say pretty confident after the second interview that the test is just going to validate what we think. And um, like I said, telling people to go sit down and take a test for half an hour and then tell them they're not getting the job, I. I'm not comfortable with it at this stage. Might I give them again? Sure, maybe. But at the moment, we, we kind of feel like we're doing fine without it.
0: I'm Lauren Feldman. That being
2: said, I got, I got 40 years in it, though. I, I <laughs> you know, other people that are newer hiring might find it very beneficial.
0: You're hedging.
2: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I I'm, I am don't think it's a black and white issue. I think the tests can be great, and I think some of the tests aren't well, great. What, what
0: would prompt you to go back to it?
2: at the moment nothing. I've decided okay. not to do it. Maybe but you, if I made a couple of bad hires in a row that I thought, wow, I wish I would've maybe and, and frankly that's why I reconsidered it. I did make a bad hire a few years ago and I said to myself, I'm confident if I would have given him a test, I wouldn't never hired this guy. But when I look back, I didn't hire him. I didn't I did I wasn't as dilig- I, 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 I didn't do what I should have done on the hiring process. Had I followed my own rules, I probably wouldn't have hired him anyway.
0: I'm Lauren Feldman. My guest is Jay Goltz. Along with running his own businesses, Jay speaks frequently with other business owners at conferences, at trade shows, and peer groups. If you have a question about your business, if you're struggling with a particular issue, this is a great opportunity to speak with someone who's been there. We're at 1-844-WARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. Our producer, Michelle Stucker, is standing by. Um, Jay, let's uh, let's get to the, uh, the real topic we want to discuss today which is um, an entrepreneur named Dave Geslack who started a business called Exercise Connection that helps children with autism through exercise. You've been mentoring Dave for I think about seven years now. Uh, tell us a little bit about this, how, how, did, how did this come to be?
2: So my cousin works for me, he runs my home store, Jason Home, and his, his kids on the autism spectrum and anyone that knows about autism, it's it can be very difficult. So he's, he's you know, now his son's 17, but, but seven years ago he was 10, and I said to myself, I really would like to be able to help him with this and know more about it and see what we can do. So I happen to be reading Crane Chicago Business, and there's an article about Dave, and he's teaching exercise to, to, to autistic kids, which is not easy. And I said to myself, it's hard enough to teach – autistic kids to exercise it's also hard to be an entrepreneur my guess is this he was probably 30 at the time this 30 year old is probably stressed out about it is my guess because i know doing either one of those things would be difficult so i figured i call him and i can help him he can help me you so just I call him out him.
0: of the blue having uh, yeah, absolutely read the story
2: yeah i called him and i said dave you know i told him who i was i you know i'm an entrepreneur and i my guess is you could probably use some entrepreneur help and i certainly could use some help with with the autism piece so um, I mean, he'll tell you the rest of the story. He came by, and I had certainly no idea it would turn into what it's turned into. But
0: Well, let um, me stop you there. As a matter of fact, we do have Dave on the line. Uh, Dave Geslack, welcome to Mind Your Business.
1: Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Uh,
0: our pleasure. Dave, what did you think when, uh, when you got the phone call from Jay?
1: Well, like Jay said, I was uh, recognized in Crane Chicago Business, so I kind of put this internal pressure on myself that, well, now I because I'm recognizing cranes, you know, I have to be a quote unquote success. Well, the truth was is I was about to file bankruptcy and eventually did because of the the, the crash and my and losing my home or my condo. Um, but when Jay called, I needed it, and I was actually kind of confused because I was getting calls from people in cranes. Um, You know, people who had read the article or saw the video and they were just trying to sell me something And the truth was is why I was recognized were for the challenges of being an entrepreneur And I had mentioned my struggles and how my home was my office and people were trying to quote-unquote sell me office space and you know, they didn't know I was going through bankruptcy, but um, anyways, Jay called and I met with him and I was still a little kind of shocked that this guy just wanted to lend me some time. And, and, and then he was also very brutal. Um, and, and he <laughs> just said, you need to do this. Your, your website doesn't make sense. Um, you need to change your logo. You need to do this. And I was like, Whoa, like I've been doing this for, I don't know, five years and I was making progress, which I'll get to at that point.
0: So were, were I mean, you actually like, in bankruptcy when you when Jay called or you were just um, headed toward I was it
1: headed toward it about within probably four months of him calling I had officially filed and um, anyways he so he, he said all this stuff and I, and then I walked across this I left his office I met his cousin Neil I walked across the street and people may not know like Clybourne Avenue is says honorary Jay Goldsway. So
0: this I is in Chicago where this, Jay yeah. opened his office decades ago or a store. Yeah.
1: So I look up at the sign and I'm like, shoot! I just I didn't say shoot, but I you know I just looked at the <laughs> sign and I'm like, I think this guy is trying to teach me something. So that's the long story short. Now seven years later, um, we've made tremendous progress to help this community and we're kind of at a crossroads now which we'll get to but you know love to share some of the progress
0: well t- tell us a little done. bit what were you struggling with uh when you met jay was was it were you still figuring out the exercise programs that you were creating for uh for children or were, was it more of the, the business side that you were struggling with
1: it was, it was more the business side um You know, the the exercise programs, I've been blessed to be, you know, essentially kind of one of the pioneers in the exercise and autism space. If anyone didn't realize that existed, it now does. Um, But
0: Well, tell us about that. Um, Give us an example of how effective it can be so people know.
1: Mm -hmm. So people know is, uh, well, one, autism is the world's fastest growing developmental disability. What people don't know is that 10 minutes of exercise can reduce some of their stereotypical behaviors, um, which is all based on research. There's other research to support improvement in their social skills, language development, and academics. In 2019, a study is going to be released. I've been talking with this doctor out of Arizona. He did the largest parent survey, autism parent survey, and that survey after they uh, surveyed 27,000 families, exercise was rated as the number one intervention, which I was shocked, let alone the researcher was shocked, because most of these parents don't think of exercise as the, it's not the first go-to. Physical therapy, occupational therapy, various developmental therapies are, and they're important. But because exercise, eventually that stuff will end, kids still need a way or adults still need a way to calm behaviors or just have the overall health benefits. But exercise is doing much more than that.
0: Dave, is is that true uh, across the spectrum uh, of autism? And is it true across a- a- ages uh, for for kids with autism?
1: Yes. Um, there's various studies out there. And even some of the work now that I've been doing is now being studied by universities both our app and now our, our certificate program as well as our workforce program so we have universities that have now come to us to say what are you guys doing how are you doing it and now they're researching it and some of it's already published so uh but when i saw jay i i had i basically started after leaving i i was uh i started my first business a gym in 2004. um i eventually came met jay in 2010 but i started my business in 2004 which is where i came across an individual with autism a dad brought me his son and the long story short is i made a connection it changed my life it changed their family's life and it essentially changed my career path but i went to work at it after about four years of running that business and knowing the struggles of running a gym or whatnot, I left the business because I said I really wanted to more understand these kids with autism, which is really difficult for me to leave the business. But I went to work at a school for children with autism as what's called a paraeducator. The paraeducator, just so you guys, everyone understands, is I've, I basically I've changed diapers on 18-year-olds. I've worked with kids from three and a half to in their 30s. Um, and, again, seen all of what – autism essentially is, what they go through, what the parents go through, what, what they experience or what helps them learn, which is that school eventually said to me, after about nine months of working as a paraeducator, they said, knowing my background and exercise, they said, will you start our fitness program? And I did, and I was able to get them a grant and essentially 12 students working together, in a class when the average group class size at that school was four. So it was challenging to do that, but because of my experience as a paraeducator and really being boots on the ground with these kids, I had to take all those strategies that were seen in the classroom to help them learn and, and be successful. I brought them all to physical education and exercise. And essentially that's what, I've started to build are the resources not only to help those kids, but the other families, the professionals and therapists that are trying to teach exercise to this population.
0: So I interrupted you before. So given that background, now what was going wrong from a business standpoint? Why were you headed toward bankruptcy when uh, when Jay called?
1: Well, the, the bank truly was due to, to the housing crash. and um, But two was I, I I wasn't charging enough, as Jay will tell you, um, because my heart was in it to help these kids and these families. And Jay's like, look, you're going to have a really expensive hobby, or you already do. So I upped my prices from the one-on-one um, trainings, but then I also had to increase my prices on my – on my workshop or my my presentations, I mean, I was going to presentations across the country. You know, for a couple hundred bucks. And Jay's like, "Well, I get paid X." Obviously, he does more experience, does different things in the business world. Um, so I had to do that. And I've now presented across the country, but also in I've been to Russia three times, Kazakhstan, Siberia, South Korea, Barbados, Canada, and Dubai, wow. and Egypt to help these kids and these families. So, autism is a global thing, no question. But exercise is, is making its way, and people are really understanding, like, well, my kids need this, or our clients need this. And Jay really helped to realign the marketing piece of the business because of his experience of bootstrapping all of his own, but then also. Yeah, the, the financial piece wasn't – it It had to be done. He was absolutely right that I had to up my prices. And it wasn't significant – I mean, it wasn't a crazy amount, but it was just enough to get me to where I needed to be so I can have a, be a little bit more stable. Um, I would say that was probably – yeah, those were the biggest – well, a couple of the biggest starting points that – He and
0: I had Jay. I've been on the receiving end of some of your uh, tough love uh, conversations, Uh, so I I know what that can feel like. Do you you remember uh, the experience of uh, figuring out what was going on with with Dave's business?
2: Yes, absolutely. But I also remember that I'm usually clueless when you call it tough love. I don't think it is. I'm just telling you what I think. So I was when he told me later, it could have been months later that boy, you really took me. Really, I, I just you know I think I'm doing someone a favor, and I go here, here's the problem, and I like dump it on him and i i don't realize that someone's really taken aback like wow because you know i don't have a i don't do passive aggressive i just do aggressive and i don't have like a neutral i just (laughs) go into full gear and i you know and i
0: and that's why we love having you on the show
2: yeah yeah i don't know any different and it's worked so far so um and i I, I would say in dave's case as it progressed from that it really evolved into like management just manage 101 that he had no background in and it you know he's become a very good manager and 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 then define it's, its basic entrepreneurship finances, marketing and management and over the seven years he's become a very good entrepreneur uh, from, and all those things and what I've learned as an entrepreneur is, This works, it's the same thing in every business. I certainly didn't bring any expertise in autism to the party. I just brought basic entrepreneurship stuff, which works in, I believe, most businesses. And I would tell other entrepreneurs, if you want to, quote, unquote, give back, there's nothing more effective you can do than helping another entrepreneur doing something that's socially good to succeed. Because I could never write a check big enough to make the impact that I believe we're having in the
0: autism world. So Dave, tell us, you told us that you had a gym and you left that to focus on kids with autism, but what, what's the business model? What What are you doing exactly?
1: Yeah. Um, so the goal, the, the focus simply was to help more of these kids and, and do it through exercise and help these families. I, like I said, I started with a DVD um, and a self-published book. Now the book has been published by one of the largest publishers for autism based out of the UK. That has helped us reach an international audience and essentially, you know, go to these countries and help and educate. But I also realized at that point, okay, this was great. Yeah, it's great to have a book, it's this, but again, how do I A, help more and B, also have the revenue to do so? So Jay, one of his first things is he's like, look, you got to create revenue streams. I said, okay, I get it. I, I think I understand what you're saying. So I started creating what's called this visual exercise system, which is like a paper-based product that is visuals or pictures that help kids with autism learn. And we, we, I started to create this product, and it took me about two years um, from start to finish. And then once we came out with that, well, then the iPads were there. And I'm like, okay, hey, I don't have (laughs) I don't have the money to create an app, but this makes sense. So uh, eventually we created Exercise Buddy. And that's an app. That's an app. Yep. It's a visual system. And what what we did there was take these pictures and put them in the app, but created this whole system based on to help. These professionals and teachers integrate in their classroom. And we now have three supporting studies uh, done on Exercise Buddy. We have 14 universities using it and another study actually due out in the coming months. And that is a subscription-based model that uh, that we're using there. Um and it and it and it. And this the is. Result,
0: it's uh, a little bit like Peloton, right? Uh, you can exercise in your own home um, with this app, right?
1: Absolutely, but I think what what I know and have seen over the years about the autism industry or helping these kids is: look, these, like Jay said a, about it, even with his uh, cousin, but these parents have enough on their plate um, to deal with, essentially. So. It's really going into the schools or going into the professionals and saying, look, here's, here's – well, one, here's exercise and here's the benefits of it because most of them don't know. And then two, here's the product or the resource that's going to help you. And, and three is not only are we just – yeah, this is not Dave, this exercise autism guy. Three, here's the research behind it. The universities are using it. They're testing it. And these universities are having me speak at their universities to train their students how to work with kids with autism. Because even in their own curriculum, they don't have the time to focus on autism. But because it's one in fifty-nine kids diagnosed, these these future teachers need to be need to understand how to help this population. David, Lauren,
2: uh, you get a guest shot here. This is where you come in because you're part of the story. So Dave's doing this. The kids are doing well. Some of his kids are getting older now and they want to look for a job and they've asked Dave, can you help me find a job? So at the time at the time you were you were the editor of the New York Times. I was your blogger well, and I,
0: I was the wrote... editor of the small business section at the New York Times.
2: All right, a little different. Okay. <laughs> so so I wrote a story about Dave and his experience and I said, Dave, something good's gonna come from this. So I wrote the blog about helping the kid get a job and about the whole autism going to you know, finding jobs thing. And the president of Harshafter Marx calls the you know legendary suit manufacturer. He's got an autistic son, and he wants to get his factory. He wants to be able to hire up autistic people and or people on the spectrum and dave he calls dave and we'll move on to the second part because this is really exciting
0: well let me stop you both there D- dave yeah. can you stick around for a couple of minutes we have to take a break um sure but i, I want to follow up on that i want to talk to you a little bit about how you financed all of this and what, what your challenges are now okay. um and uh perhaps take some phone calls uh from our listeners if you have a question uh about your business about any aspect uh of what we've been discussing Please give us a call. We're at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. We're speaking with Jay Galtz, and we have a special guest, Dave Geslack, who started Exercise Connection. You can learn more at exerciseconnection.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at David Geslak, G-E-S-L-A-K. We'll be right back after a short break.
2: You're listening to... Mind
1: your business with the Wharton Small Business Development Center. Here again is Lauren
2: Feldman.
0: Welcome back to Mind Your Business on SiriusXM 132. I'm Lauren Feldman. I used to be a senior editor at Forbes. I just started as chief content officer with the Oxford Center, a growing community of business owners. I'm here with Jay Goltz, who's been working with in the small business trenches for decades. On Twitter, he's at jsmallbiz. If you have a question or a comment, our number is 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. And we're speaking with Dave Gesslack, who started Exercise Connection to help kids with autism. Uh, Dave, we were just talking about the uh, the contract with Hart, Shafter, and Marks. Tell us, tell us what you were able to do for them.
1: Yeah, so Doug Williams, CEO of Hart, Shafter, and Marks. Which is? Which is a men's suit company, one of the oldest Chicago companies, 130-year-old business in Chicago. Um, men's Suits, you know, sold it. Um, I don't actually, I know Nordstrom, you know. The major retailers um, have it. So he calls, reads the article that Jay wrote, that essentially you uh, put up on the small business blog um, in the New York Times, and he says, "Can you do what you're saying in my company?" He has a he has a nephew. Excuse me, Doug has a son with autism, and he wanted he understood the strengths of those with autism and what they could bring to a workforce. As the article that, that Jay had written, um, I did as well, and so did Jay. So he calls and says, "Can you do what you're saying in my company?" And we go and meet with him. We tour the factory, and the long story short. Story short, after about four years, we've helped Heartshafter Marks hire seven individuals with autism, um, and their company size is around 500. And that's a really big number when you look at autism and disability employment. Um, you know, th- there's other big tech-related companies that have initiatives, but, you know, they have tens of thousands of employees, and they're hiring up to 20. But here at Heartstaff and Marks, one we did at seven. They also were in four different departments in the company, IT, customer service, um, special orders, and the distribution center. But the other big thing, and why now we have case studies of the major universities researching disability or neurodiversity employment, is we're not just helping the higher end of the spectrum. We have helped what some may consider, you know, middle of the spectrum get jobs, but meaningful work and contributing to the bottom line and contributing to the productivity for production standards of the business. Because of Doug's vision investments in, in me and the, in my team, we are now working with Oliver Wyman, which is a Marsh and McLennan company, and they are scheduled to hire their first in the coming months.
0: That's a consulting well. firm. all right.
1: Exactly. Actuarial, we're in their actuarial consulting division in Chicago. And then we are also working with a group called IMAC, which supports – um, they're based in Illinois, but they support manufacturing companies to essentially do lean processing um, m- methodology for a lot of these manufacturers. Well, they,
0: they, let me stop process- you there for a second. Oh, yeah. If we're, uh, you know, we may have some people, uh, some employers uh, listening to this show. W- what do you say to an employer who would, would be interested in? Uh, participating in, in hiring these, these individuals? What's the, the right approach for them to, to think about?
1: If it's for social, if it's strictly for the social impact and making the company look good, forget about it. Um, everyone has to be invested from the C suite all the way down to the co workers. They have to understand and be educated. What Doug and I and, and with Jay's support. You know, th- we have we are showing companies that this is hiring from this workforce is not charity, but that this is opportunity for a business. It can be done, but there's going to be an investment there's, in, in both finances and time. But if you do it the right way, it can transform your company from the social impact, from productivity, and what and from um, I'm losing the third one, and I know Jay's got it on the tip of his tongue. But from the um, just aligning uh, the company culture, there it is, because I always say, you know, if you, you know, a lot of these companies are, you know, going do a ropes course for a weekend or trying to do some team building, which, great, it may help. But what we've seen and what the research is showing, this is truly
2: changing the culture the companies that we're working with. You should throw in one important piece just from our anecdotal information. When I tell people what we're doing, 50% of the people immediately go, oh, my nephew, my, my my niece, my best friend from college, my kid, my brother. I'd say that 50% of the people out there have a close relative or friend with autism. So to work at a company where they can look every day and see what a profound impact they've had on the company, gives people – there's not even a word to use. It's just – it's invaluable. They just feel great about the company. They feel great about going to work every day. They feel great about the kid. And and the turnover, correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, has been zero. It's correct. unheard of.
1: Correct. And, and I think the other piece, because a lot of people are probably asking, like, well, how did this – how did you do this? Um, essentially, from the article, but what Doug also understood, the, the CEO of Shafter Marks, is he understood the sensory uh, needs of the, those with autism. So we built an exercise facility in Heartshafter Marks, and those individuals with autism, essentially, the only legal way to do it is they were getting pay, or they were getting paid to exercise before they start their 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 work.
0: So you're not just offering advice to Hart, Schaffner, and Marks or or other employers. Your uh, exercise regimen is a key part of helping uh, autistic uh, employees function in in their jobs.
1: Yes and no. We are not just offering advice. The exercise piece doesn't always play a role because some companies may not be willing to invest like Doug was in if they don't have an exercise center. But the key is our model and the way we are helping, like, like we helped hard Chapter Marks hire seven or what we're doing with Oliver Wyman, because this is not the, the state-run agency or charity-based model. This is we are looking to scale. And, and that was what really Doug challenged me with. He said, I want you to use hard Chapter Marks as your laboratory and figure out how we're going to do this and how we can scale, and how you can scale this. And I said, okay. And like I said, that's why I mentioned, we've done this in four different departments. You'll hear about this in the tech space, but that's only tech companies, and also it's higher-functioning individuals with autism. Look, these kids that are lower on the spectrum or more challenged, they can be employable, and they can be make an impact in a business, but... It has to be set up in such a way that the way they learn, just like what we did with exercise and brought it, you know, and, and gave them the resources, my team and I are also doing the same thing with employment, which isn't really being – isn't being done as well as it could be. And with that being said, the last thing I'll say about that is, look, we know what we're doing is special at Heart and Marks and with these companies, and the research is supporting that. But that doesn't mean we're going to be able to hire, help companies hire every kid with autism, or every kid with autism is going to get a job. Nor is every business right to hire those with autism. But they should. It could be something that they want
2: to consider.
0: How about the question? You went into this hoping to use it as a laboratory to figure out how to scale. Do you think you figure mm-hmm. that out? Is there a, a real business here?
1: Uh, yeah. We've got a couple proposals out that I, I can't mention the company's names or don't want to yet. But, no, there's, there is a real business here. But that's, the, again, what Jay brought along this process is, for me, from that management side, I mean, here's, you know, yes, I've been an entrepreneur. I'm learning. But now I'm talking with the C-suite of Hart Marks, talking with essentially a we had to retool the Oliver Wyman's global HR protocols and he gave me extremely invaluable advice of different things that I was experiencing that I had never done. And I would go to Jay and say, Jay, look, here's the conversation I just had. Should I call them tomorrow? Should I do this? Should I play it this way? Or whatever. And it, it, these are things that I think that Jay alluded to in the beginning, like entrepreneurs, business owners, CEOs who may not have the checkbook to write, but can offer advice to other entrepreneurs, if they're willing to take it, um, it could make a, a huge impact to a lot of people.
0: I'm Lauren Feldman, I'm here with Jay Goltz and with Dave Geslack, who started Exercise Connection. If you have a question about your business or about what Dave's doing, call us at one wharton That's 1-844-942-7866. Um, so, so what challenges uh, do you face at this point, Dave? D- d- have you figured yeah. out the uh, the financing side of it? Do you know how you can uh, finance the, the scaling up that you're hoping to do?
1: So we've made tremendous progress in that bootstrapping way. You know, I, I have no investors. I have Jay as my ultimate partner. Um, but I think Jay recognized, and I truly recognize, like, I only have two hands and I only have X amount of hours in a day. And in order to scale, we, I, I need to staff up um, and I may need to re- raise some money because here's why. We, these kids, these families needed help yesterday. And if we, it took me, what, 10 years to get to this point, And there's one more piece of the, the puzzle that we haven't told you about with Exercise Connection. But they can't wait another 10 years. And with this research coming out, not just about us, but about our services, but really about exercise, these families are going to need this, need this, and these kids are going to need it. So it may – I I am thinking about doing the raising money, even though Jay for many years has said, look, I have 110 employees. I don't have to answer to anyone. (laughs) I would love. to to be able to do Jay's, that, but as, I don't think that's reality. Jay for has spoken here weird. often
0: about pretty much being allergic to the notion of uh, raising yeah. money and taking in outside investors. What, what so do you think me of tell this, you my Jay?
2: Revelation, though, um, this is big. He's got. He's. We've got three tracks. We've got the the autism workforce. We've got the the app. He's got something else, which he'll. Well, he's he's got certification for trainers. We didn't talk about that yet. This is huge. Every single company, everyone we've talked to is embracing it. They get it. And like I've recognized, I've used up all my tools. I've never raised money that I've reckon It took me a while. It took me a few months to finally recognize, he can't bootstrap this. He needs to get some investment. He needs for the technology side, for the scaling part. And I'm out of my league on that. I I've never done it. It's foreign to me, and it it's like I'm I'm afraid that I need to hand the ball to someone else here because it's just, it's, just, it's not what I do. And but he needs it. So uh, Dave, tell him just the last piece of the puzzle. Because I think yeah. it's Very fun. The training. So
1: because I'm a my degrees in health promotion, I'm a certified exercise physiologist with the American College of Sports Medicine, which is the largest exercise science organization in the world. For about two years I was at roundtable discussions invited actually through Nike was one of them about my role in autism and exercise well I come across the CEO of ACSM and started talking to him about look as ACSM you have both an opportunity and responsibility to help this population and I think we need to create something to essentially certify or accreditate professionals well after two years we did it and I created the fitness industry's first certificate program for autism with acsm um what but because of my background and what acsm understood is with acsm you're really just looking at the fitness industry but because of my background in education we've expanded the market size to therapists and special education teachers so we've got speech therapists ots and pts that people that are already signing up, taking the course, they gave, just to give people uh, the numbers, I said to ACSM, give me a number. What do you think that we can hit in a year just to get people signed up? They said, if you do 180 professionals based on a re- relative similar cost and uh, structure, uh, or, or CECs, continuing Education Credits, they said, if you can do 180 in a year, we would see that as um, as as a good as, as good in six months. Excuse me, in where were we? Uh, April, May, June, July, August. In five months, we're at 145 people.
0: That's impressive. Do you see this as being a significant revenue stream going forward?
1: I do. And again, because we've expanded the market size with the therapists and teachers, and And globally, I have people, because of my international presence, I have people, I just had someone from Qatar ask when I'm coming to Qatar or Dubai. I'm like, that's where Jay's, like, we need, we need maybe some some cash flow, some revenue, or some, some infusion of cash to our infrastructure so we can get, A, obviously create more revenue, but most important, help these kids and help these families. They need it.
0: If uh, anybody listening has an idea for how Dave should scale up this business, please give us a call, 1-844-WHARTON, 1-844-942-7866. Dave, have you thought about franchising the concept?
2: (laughs) I did not put him up to that, Dave. (laughs) I never
1: talked to him about it. (laughs) (laughs) I laugh because, yes, it's been a discussion between Jay and I, but I think, look, The fitness industry alone is, you know, everyone thinks that they're an expert in fitness because what they could read online. Now, we could have a rigorous process to make sure that individual is fully vetted and educated on autism. I don't, I I considered it, but I think based on our trainings, based on the the app and, and, and the alignment with ACSM, I don't know. I don't know if I if franchise, because I don't want to, the, the fitness industry here, I'll give you this example. The, when I go to a gym, I'm ACSM certified, which if you go to most gyms, most trainers are not because of the, because of the rigorous process and, and qualifications to get that type of cert, certification. But if you go to a gym, you often see a personal trainer sitting there drinking coffee, not taking notes. And when you go look at their background posted on the wall, it's no surprise to me why why it's being done, or why it's not being done. So now now we're going to go and say, hey, you need to work with this really vulnerable population, both the kid and the family, and and maybe they're just seeing as a strictly a source of revenue. If that's the reason you're doing it, forget about it because these families are sold snake oil, and two they have they have seen therapists that aren't in it for the right reasons and they will understand that better than anyone and, and recognize that. So I, the reason for franchising is I don't want to water down this, whatever, if you want to call it that this autism exercise industry, right from the, or I don't want to be the guy to do that. We have, we have great partnerships, you know, international partnerships with ACSM um, and I just couldn't, and maybe someone would tell me I'm wrong, but I that's think he's how
2: wrong. I, right I went now. to the franchise <laughs> show this weekend. Talked to <laughs> some experts, uh, Jay, you're telling
0: I him he's wrong? Something.
2: Yeah, I think I just came to this revelation within the last seven days. I went to the franchise show. It happened to be in Chicago. I talked to some experts and I recognized there are things out there like this. And I believe that we could get 200 people that all have some autism background, that have degrees, that are into it, that would love this, that we could give them the support they need. And uh, I do believe it's franchisable now. I, if you asked me two weeks ago, I, I maybe didn't think that. But I do think that's – but, you know, we need to get some more infrastructure in place first.
1: Well, and I think to Jay's point, there are things that I can expand the exercise piece of it to give the resources that essentially the franchise would need, but it goes back to, you know, what is, what's the saying? The court, the cart before the horse or whatever, where I need to get the infrastructure in place and be able to focus on the bigger picture stuff. And still today I'm unfortunately, but still learning it's good is caught with the day-to-day stuff um, because my staff isn't large enough and, or their responsibilities. You know, they're focusing on the workforce side, the autism workforce piece.
0: I think you you would probably have to demonstrate that this could work. You would, you know, maybe hire a manager for a location and treat it as if it were a franchise and be able to prove that someone could make money doing it before you could get uh, franchisees to invest in the
2: problem right but he needs the money to hire that person That that's the point we need to prime the pump a little bit more before we do that but um, I'm pretty confident at this stage that I think ultimately that's going to be a, a perfect solution to this
1: <clears throat> but but Lauren here's the other thing because I know you know with exercise buddy the app um, we have a pilot going with the largest school district in the country right now um, NYC and there's plenty of other ed tech related companies across the country um, that are already in the school. So I think because of this potential NYC, you know, with what we're doing with NYC, um, if we if that deal essentially gets finalized across their entire district, um, it's going to do some things to put us on the map. But I think it'll generate a lot of eyes to this autism and exercise space, especially those ed-, ed tech companies.
0: That sounds really promising. We're, we're running very short on time. Dave, tell me quickly, can you tell me what what you think the most important lesson you've learned uh, in terms of trying to turn this into a, a real business?
1: Jay has taught me one, about the management side, not just my own staff uh, and the challenges and things of even a little bit, I hired and fired, um, but also like I talked about is just Not being able to take things personal, but talking with other organizations and companies in the C-suite unbelievably guided me, which I would have never had that opportunity to learn that stuff. Uh, Second would probably be resolve and just entrepreneurship isn't easy. Uh, Otherwise, everyone would be doing it. But I've had to deal with a lot of things. I've fought through. He's been there to support me um, and, and guide me still in that. But. Yeah, the resolve and learning, um, or just dealing with it, is sometimes you just have to just go.
0: Let me let me ask Jay the same question. We're we're almost out of time, but Jay, wh- what have you learned from doing this?
2: Um, I've learned that, you know, Steve Jobs used to say, you know, he wants to put a dent in the universe. I feel like I have an opportunity through Dave to take a dent out of the universe and to make a profound impact in something by just using what I've learned about entrepreneurship and helping Dave do this. So I've learned that you can make a big difference if you leverage your strengths and your abilities in the right place. Because like I said, I'll never have a big enough checkbook to go write a check that's going to make a big difference. So I've learned that entrepreneurs have a unique opportunity to really help the world out, and I would encourage everyone when they finally get their head over the, you know, when, when they're past trading water and things are going well, I would encourage everybody to, to give back in that fashion. So that's all I can say.
0: But how about more from a nuts and bolts standpoint? Um, the, you know, th- this is a, a wonderful cause. It's got to work as a business.
2: Yes, I can tell you, okay, that's a good question. So we go to Microsoft at a big conference about autism and workforce, so I went with him because he's usually on his own. I don't go with him much stuff, but I went with him to Seattle. And we went to this program, and I looked around at several organizations. They were all around for years helping the employment piece and everything, and I realized after being there for a few hours, the difference between our approach and theirs is ours is social entrepreneurship, and our clients are the companies. All of their clients are the kids. So I've realized that looking at something through the business lens gives a very different Picture than looking at it from a non for profit from a philanthropy side that social entrepreneurship can be very powerful if you use the same business you know vision of it and at, and I think the fact that they're the business people makes a difference.
0: Got to stop you there, Jay Goltz and Dave Geslack. Thank you so much for joining me today on Twitter at Jay Smallbiz or at David Geslack G E S L A K. Uh, unfortunately we're out of time, uh, but we'll look forward to chatting with you in the future. Uh, you have been listening to Mind Your Business. Uh, on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 132. Thanks for listening, everybody. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.